Hello, everyone, and welcome to IAQIQ, Indoor Air Quality, and you. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the show. Today, we're going to be talking about ventilation, and we're going to be answering some bigger questions about HVAC and ventilation with a couple of guys who know more about this sort of stuff than just about anybody that I can think of. And so today, we're welcoming on the program once again, Nick Agopian. He's the VP of Sales and Marketing at Renew Air. Nick, welcome. Thank you, Tyler. Always good to see you, and I'm really excited about this episode. Absolutely. And we're also thrilled to welcome on the show today, Brian Simmons. He's a senior technical sales support specialist at Renew Air. Brian, welcome. Thank you, Tyler. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, those of you who have followed along with the podcast know Nick very well, obviously, at this point, as uh, as Nick has been on, I think, every episode that we've done so far. But for Brian, Brian might be uh, a new person here on the podcast for you. But Brian grew up in uh, in an HVAC family, kind of grew up within the business. He's even taught at a community college and taught courses on this sort of thing. Um, and so... Brian has uh, Brian brings to the table just so much experience and knowledge here in HVAC. So we're excited to welcome him onto the program today. Someone just with uh, an incredible list of credentials. And so, guys, let's start off here just uh, from a basic perspective. You know, because Brian has so much experience in HVAC. But one of the things that uh, Brian, I think you really developed your knowledge in since joining the Renew Air team was ventilation. So give us uh, just some background into your knowledge on ventilation and why we ventilate in the first place. Okay. Well, when I went to uh, school several years ago, I won't say how long. <laughs> just, a uh, just a few. <laughs> just a few. Uh, the idea of ventilation was just a vent in the wall being pulled into the air handling system. And it was commercial. It wasn't residential. Residential wasn't even thought about, you know, mm-hmm. until uh, we started getting the, the sick house syndrome, uh, the tight buildings. And then that was just bringing in outdoor air, you know, not even treating it. And that adds to and doing heat load, heat uh, loss calculations. Uh, you know, I could see where that added to a load of air conditioning, especially and onto the heating. And it just, just bringing in straight outside air just never made sense to me. Uh, but once I've discovered the ERVs, uh, it made so much more sense. And Nick, ERVs are something that we've talked a bit uh, a lot about on the podcast in the past. But give us a little bit of a primer into ERVs, um, what they are, and, and and why I need one. Absolutely, Tyler. ERVs are energy recovery ventilators. All homes have to be ventilated somehow or another. Ventilation can be simply opening up two windows on the opposite side of your house and just having a draft come through. But we all know, like particularly this time of year where you're in December, January, and February in the north, you don't necessarily want to do that. So what an ERV does is allows you to take one cubic foot of stale contaminated air that's within the built environment and throw it out while simultaneously bringing in that same cubic foot of outdoor air that's cleaner than the indoor air. Uh, So that's typical ventilation. But what an ERV does is says, I'm going to extract the energy that's in the air before I throw it out and temper the fresh, clean outdoor air before I bring it in. So now you're able to recover that energy and it won't cost you as much. But at the same time, offer balanced ventilation within the built environment, which gives you the lowest steady state concentration of whatever may be happening within uh, indoors. 
I think that's I think that's really really well put. And you know, Nick, one of the other things we we've talked about in the past is obviously you know there are codes and standards to this. But as you've always pointed out, you know, codes and standards are the bare minimum, right? And so we've always talked on the on the podcast: build it tight, ventilate it right. Talk to us a little bit more about about codes and the minimum standards that they bring, but also how we should maybe think about these codes. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Codes are in place in order to assure that the consumer is going to get the minimum amount of quality and design uh, as advocated by standards. So it's there so that the designer, the engineer, the contractor, and the supplier technically don't go to jail. But it's exactly that. It's minimum. And if I was to look at the word minimum, what does that mean? And compare it to some of the other services that we have in our everyday life, whether it's going to a restaurant, but then more importantly, if you were to go to a hospital, into the emergency room, would you go in and tell the nurse and the doctor, can you give me the absolute minimum service possible? And the answer is, the answer is always going to be no. So what we're doing right now in the standards community is reevaluating uh, codes because these minimum codes, when compared to other First Nations around the world, we are in the United States among the lowest that's out there. So in light of the fact that we are in the post-pandemic era, we need to evaluate that number and elevate that number moving forward to something that's going to be higher than what we have today, but can assure us building resiliency and make sure that we're protected indoors. One of the things that amazed me in researching codes was looking at a bathroom. If it had an outside window, it didn't have to have mechanical ventilation. All you had to do was open the window. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in the restroom uh, when it's zero degrees outside, you know, opening the window, you know, and that's just totally amazing, you know, but that's code. Uh, Brian, as you've evaluated maybe some of these codes and some of these standards and, and guidelines and that sort of thing, what has that maybe taught you or how has that informed your opinion of, of ventilation and the importance of, of the work that you do? Well, like Nick said, with uh, code giving the bare minimum, uh, it's not very comfortable. I mean, it's not very efficient. But when you improve upon code and do better than code, uh, it makes the efficiency so much better, uh, warmer air coming in, uh, plus you're not losing the heating and the cooling that you're spending money on to uh, comfort that comfort cool and comfort heat that house. Uh, it's saving money in the long run. So it's an, it's a an investment in your house that pays for itself. So, Brian, one thing that that has been true about this for for a while, right, is that uh, that commercial buildings have more stringent guidelines and codes than than residential. First of all, why is that the case? And second of all, should that change in some way? Well, basically, when you look at commercial buildings, uh, it's a lot easier to regulate that because they can regulate if you want to be in business you've got to meet these standards. Whereas for a home, uh, it's a lot tougher to regulate that, you know, for residential use. The difference between a commercial setting and a uh, residential setting is the density of the populace within that space. Uh, and more importantly, the predictive activity that you could have in that space. So we know that in, an, in a boardroom, you're going to have certain people come in for a certain period of time. Um, in a gym, we know what they're going to be doing in a gym and so on and so forth. 
We used to think that the problem in homes was essentially the bathroom, whether it was the heavy humidity that we had from hot showers or whatever business you might have in there. And we identified that as being the contaminant source within a home. Uh, so we didn't regulate the standards and, and the codes to specifically focus on homes because we identified it as singular in nature in the bathroom. What we didn't realize um, be, uh, is that ventilation within the home was happening um, in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and even into the 2000s because homes were leaking. Uh, but what we found today is that as homes are becoming tighter and tighter, um, exchange of air because of the leakiness of a home no longer occurs. In evaluating that, we now know that the contaminant sources are probably not even the bathroom because they're used as, as needed and maybe used 10% of the time uh, of all the activities that occur within a home. So now what we realize is the activity in the kitchen is what pollutes a home. Activities in, in, uh, in arts and crafts with your kids pollutes a home. More importantly, our activities today, as we sanitize more than we've ever had, pollutes a home. And worst of all, us as human beings, our bioeffluence, everything we do within, this, within the home is what contaminates the air within the space. Now, it's always below the threshold limit of what we can smell stuff, so we don't think that it's there, but it's definitely there. And that's why now standards are rewriting uh, what these values should be. More importantly, using exhaust only or supply only is not the way to solve the indoor pollution problem. We have to use balanced ventilation. But to what Brian alluded to a second ago, which is cost, it becomes expensive to heat or cool that air. Maybe you might not realize you're having to heat and cool that air because it's going to come in through the cracks and, and basically the skin of the home. But if we use an ERV and recapture that energy, then at that point, we can actually save you money and ERVs pay for themselves. The other thing we have to look at is man-made materials, the carpets, uh, the cabinetry, you know, all that, uh, all those off-gassing uh, into the house helps create that sick house syndrome that, you know, people don't realize is there, but it's affecting them every day. That's a, that's a really good point, Nick and eh, Nick and Brian. And, you know, one of the things that we've, we've talked about in the past, Nick, is just the idea that sometimes when it comes to these sorts of things, contractors and other people are, are, are sometimes nervous perhaps to offer these sorts of solutions to homeowners, either because they don't think homeowners are going to understand or, um, because they think, oh, this is a luxury item, maybe that that homeowners won't be interested in having, right? But it is somewhat incumbent on, I I, I think, uh, people to offer homeowners and 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 residents the best possible options that they can, and then let them prioritize and decide for themselves what matters to them and what they value for their families and for their own health, right? Absolutely. And, and, and I think there are two influences be, uh, uh, impacting the addressable market out there, which is essentially consumers. Uh, number one, yes, you've got the people that want to educate themselves that are saying, we live in a whole food society now. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we take great care with what we consume in our mouths. That's the type of water we drink, how much we drink, how much we eat. But now, 
uh, post-pandemic, we realized that what we breathe in can impact the physiological operation of the human body and the mind immediately. And a lot right. of people don't realize this, but the barrier between what we breathe in uh, and our blood within our lungs is one skin cell thick. So the environment indoors is now being looked at um, by the consumers, by the homeowners and saying, you know, I particularly want to invest into indoor air quality. And we're finding more people saying, you know what, I can do without a granite countertop, but I do want to invest into the health and welfare of my family by putting in energy recovery and then in concert using an ERV because I can save money as well. One thing comes from a, you know, from coming from a contractor background is educating the contractors and getting them to understand that this is something that they need to do. Uh, I know from many contractors, they look at a house and they look at a customer and they think, well, this is what they need, not what they, the, you know, that's the only thing they're going to get. It's not necessarily what they actually need, uh, but it's what they want to sell. It's what they have, what the customer, what the contractor has. And if they uh, would just educate themselves better, like some of the homeowners are starting to do, they would realize that they need to change the way they do things. You know, and there's the old saying that uh, it's probably not the best English, but if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And that's that's kind of what the contractors are doing. They're not uh, they're not changing like they need to. And that's where we as a company, uh, as a bill, as a manufacturer, try and educate contractors and get the word out that this is you know something that's very necessary. So, Brian, to that end, then let's let's try to maybe educate people on some questions that they might have here um, as we start to come to the end of the podcast. Let's let's talk about installation. You know, can this is this only uh, our ERVs only installed on you know new construction, or can they be you know put into you know a retrofit type situation? And uh, what do I need to know about uh, maintenance and those sorts of things? So, just kind of walk us through uh, some of the basics there to help maybe educate anybody who's listening to this podcast who aren't familiar with ERVs. Sure. I would say a lot of our product is put into existing homes. Uh, I know there, there are put into new construction, but new home, I mean, existing homes are very easy to put into. Uh, the As long as you've got access to either the HVAC system or with our unit, because it's uh, multi-positional, we don't have a drain, you can put it in the attic, you can put it in a crawl space, uh, we're not, there's very few places that you can't use one of our units. So mm -hmm. it's very versatile. And the duct work can be pretty simple, you know, just connecting two ducts to your heating system, two ducts to the outside, uh, or it could be uh, a standalone system. I mean, we can do that. We can, there's, we have about four different options that we recommend that you can install this. So there's, it's very versatile. And the general uh, person that is handy can install it real easy. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if somebody is not comfortable uh, with do-it-yourself projects, the typical HVAC company can put it in. You know, so it, it, it's very simple to put in, really. Um, so uh, the controls are uh, simple to use, uh, low-voltage wiring. 
So you don't have to have an electrical license for that. It just plugs into an outlet. So there's a lot of simple uh, installation techniques for these units. So Brian, I think that was that was really, really well put and a great answer as far as installation goes. Take me through the, the post-installation uh, life cycle of the product, everything from maintenance to how RenewAir supports your customers. Sure. Uh, well, since maintenance is pretty simple, uh, the first thing to do is check the outside vents because that's where the air is coming from. Uh, in the outside air, we've got leaves, we've got bugs. Anything can build up on that bird screen that's in the vent. So check that, make sure that it's clean. Then you can kind of do a quick visual look. If you can, look inside the duct a little bit, uh, make sure everything's clear. And then go into the inside unit. It's got some simple latches that open up. Uh, you can check the filters, replace them if need be. Most people look at a filter. They know that if it's dirty or if it's clean, You, I get the question sometimes, can I clean these filters? Uh, probably not You're, because these filters are made to uh, absorb the dust, You know, attract it and hold on to it. So getting rid of that filter is probably going to be the best thing to get rid of that dust. Then as far as the inside of the unit, uh, take a shop vac with a soft brush and a hose and vacuum the inside of the unit you know, gently uh, and just get rid of whatever uh, dust and dirt could be inside the unit. And you know, as far as uh, any other maintenance, it's very simple. I mean, there's no oiling to the motors or anything. Uh, those are sealed bearings, so we don't have to worry about that. And the unit, if you want to clean the outside, you can, but it's you know very simple. I mean, the inside is the most important, and the vacuum is probably good, and the filters will take care of anything you need. And then if you do have questions, you're not sure about what you're doing, give me a call. You know, I'm answering the phone. Uh, I've got some other people that I work with that answer the phone also. All of us are knowledgeable. We can answer your questions and we're there for you. That's that's really good because uh, I don't think it can be underestimated how uh, how easily I can mess easy things up. And so it's always good to know that if I call, if I call the number that I'm going to be talking to a real person and someone with as much expertise as Brian. So uh, that's always that's always really, really great to hear. So uh, Nick and Brian, as we start to wrap up this episode, what do you hope people walk away with understanding uh, about ventilation, about HVAC, just about um, being in their homes and, and what they need? Brian, uh, kick us off. Just what, what do you hope people understand after checking out this episode? That, that there's not really a mystery to ventilation. It's something that we need, and it's going to improve your life uh, style as, as far as how you live and breathe. And it's not that, uh, doesn't cost that much to do it in the long run. It's because it's your health, and what's your health, health worth? You know, it's, it's worth everything. So it's good to go ahead and have good ventilation to be able to breathe. Excellent, excellent stuff. Nick, uh, final thoughts. What do you want people to walk away with today? What I'd like people to understand and learn is that ventilation is critical to how we live our lives indoors. Science globally around the world has proven that ventilation and increased ventilation is paramount as we've sealed up these homes as we do today. When we look at residential standards and codes in Asia, the Middle East, Europe, and even our friends up north in Canada, ERVs, not only ventilation, 
but ERV ventilation is mandated by codes in all homes and all home sizes. So I urge people to learn a little bit more about the benefits of ventilation and consider calling us at RenewWare in order to solve your ventilation needs and improve indoor air quality for you and your family. RenewAir.com is the website. If you uh, want the phone numbers, if you need a good way to reach out, RenewAir.com is the place where you can go to learn more. A lot of educational resources there as well as Nick was talking about. Educate yourself, ask those questions, and uh, and get the information that you need to make the best decision for you. So there you go. Nick Agopian and Brian Simmons. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of uh, IQ Indoor Air Quality and You. It's been a pleasure having you guys on. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the show. We appreciate it very much. Of course, again, RenewAir.com is the website if you'd like to learn more, if you'd like to reach out and ask those questions. Even talk to Brian himself. You can do that there uh, through the website. So make sure to do that if you'd like to learn more. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with new episodes of the show. But for this one, for Brian Simmons and Nick Agopian, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you next time.